When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral, simpler communications. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L.J. LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a belly-up sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, rumor has it you're in finals week. How are you doing, sir? How is your mental health at this point in time? L.J., it is good because my finals are not until Wednesday, but I have finals on Wednesday. Thursday, Friday, and then I am done for the semester and we'll be going back home. Um, yes, LG, you know, it's, I'm doing okay, doing okay. Well, how about we go ahead and get on into some of this great content we have. We are now into official lockout season. I'm already going to screw with the order of things here because I have a genuine question that's been burning in the back of my mind for a while now. We have now been locked out of Major League Baseball for 12 days. Why aren't more people freaking out yet? Like, I know we're in the middle of the offseason, but this is also the most... This is the biggest part of the offseason, December, for Major League Baseball, and we have nothing. And it feels like almost no one cares at this point. I know you're not missing any games at this point, but if people really want this to get done, putting as much social pressure on both sides right now by like blowing a gasket over this would go a long way. I mean, ESPN, CBS, Fox, 
you could be covering this daily, semi-daily, and like really pushing it as being like a huge deal. Not only will your ratings increase if you turn this into a like disaster, but you're gonna get stuff done. I don't I don't see why there's not more people putting pressure on either side that there's not more talk about the fact that we're in a lockout right now. Yeah, um, I think it's it's a certainly an interesting situation where you know a lot of the players they they all make their profile picture on Twitter just the the blank default picture it's on the MLB site and like you know like that's whatever but at this point it's almost like it's expected that it's going to go long and that's and that's bad that we're at the that that we're at this like the it almost seems like this is a battle of the two sides trying to both be way bigger than one another and saying look I will hold out as long as you want to and they're just saying in the and then the other side is saying the exact same thing and they're both just trying to show each other who's who's big and it's, it's going to all come down to just, you know, we see this in all these sports lockouts. It's always between the owners and the play in the players unions. And well, that, well, that's, those are the only two sides. <laughs> I know. I mean, like, in okay. <laughs> okay. I, I do understand that. Let's, let's not act like I don't. I, I do understand that. My phrasing was wrong. It always seems like the owners are, have the upper hand advantage and they're not willing to even give the slightest little bit to the players. At the same time, again, we've seen how many times things have gone terribly wrong on so many levels when the players get too much say either either way i'm not going to get back down that ramp but my question is even just to get back to like the media thing you're right we're all expecting this to go long i don't think we're getting i think we're going to be fortunate to get may baseball we should be happy for may baseball april baseball is not happening but my question is when does it when does the not caring end if you recall let's bring this back to harken back to the NBA lockout back in, was it 2011? 2011 NBA lockout. Um, right from the second it locked out, ESPN was on five bell alarm. Like every second was about this lockout until the lockout ended. Why? I mean, I, I know it's not, the MLB isn't as popular as the NBA, but why isn't there anything comparable going on right now? Are they going to wait until the season starts? If people are already expecting the season not to start on time, then why would they bother starting then? Are they going to start it when we haven't started playing games or spring training and it's May? When do we draw the line? When do we start panicking? Yeah, you know, it's it's a question that a lot of people want the, want the answer to, and I'm just not sure that we have that. And you're right. I mean, LJ, it is December 13th. Like, we're on, we're... 12 days from Christmas here and no movement whatsoever. Nothing. 
on the twelfth day of Christmas, the MLB will give to me a new collective bargaining agreement. How does that sound? I would Please. love that. Would Greatest love Christmas gift we could ask for. All right. Well, Juan Soto made some interesting comments this weekend on Twitter, giving us a little insight into the man, the myth, the legends personal life and his interests one of which apparently has become formula one racing as with many americans certainly seemed very enthralled by this weekend's race brandon what do you think of his commentary and what is your what is your own well juan soto very simply commented on twitter what an end hashtag formula one nice to see that he is an f1 fan and uh you know, obviously, I'm not sure how much our listener base is into Formula One racing, so I won't go too in-depth here, but it was a very good end of that season. Intense, down to the wire. And, uh, yeah, it's very nice to see MLB players be a fan of it because it is a worldwide sport. The MLB is turning itself into a much more international driven league and uh, i think it's great for for everyone speaking of international driven league did you see the uh interesting news of late what the mlb is doing mlb tv plus now has the dominican league Lido. yes i love that aaron hicks was playing there he was looking all right albert pujols was playing there few players for the yankees as well so not bad all right. Well, let's go on to another um, player and his movement. This is actually the only contract that we have to talk about currently, and that is Yasiel Puig. He is now two years removed from MLB time, and he has decided to take his talents to East Asia. He'll be signing with the Kiwum Heroes of Korea's Korean baseball organization. Um, I'm not sure how long the deal is, but he will be one of their two non-Korean players on that team this year as they're allowed two foreigners on their roster. Look, this is a great signing for both that league and for for baseball in in general. To get him back in semi-televised, semi-known baseball, to get him in a league that can very easily translate to the MLB in a year, it's great for everybody. Yeah. Uh, Puig, you know, is a guy that right now is only 31 years old. Wow. So he has a lot of time left in his baseball career. And we've seen plenty of guys go over to the KBO or or start in Japanese baseball and be an American and then end up making your way back uh, to the MLB. So... Yeah, uh, I think that this is a great opportunity for Puig, and especially if we end up uh, covering the KBO, this will be uh, an interesting story to follow. That's only if there are no uh, MLB games to watch. I always forget that like guys can go over there because it just it's always the last thing on my mind. I mean, I certainly would have loved him anywhere. I certainly would rather have him with the Twins, but I mean – this is a Kiwum team just pulling up the standings now. Yeah, they were top half team last year for the KBO. I can't see how Yasiel Puig doesn't help them. More so, I don't see how Yasiel Puig, everything we know about this guy. I mean, this is the guy who 
partied too hard on the Dodgers that he was demoted not for performance but for behavior and then and then taught that behavior to the double-A team that he was demoted to so that he had to get sent back up before he was too much of a bad influence. Um, that's the type of guy. He is just a whole bag of fun. Even now, calmed down a bit at 31. He is still, I'm sure, just as fun to see out there, just as fun to be around. And I, that really translates well to the KBO style of baseball. Absolutely. All right. Um, in terms of other player news, we haven't had much signings. That was the only one. But one player certainly has had a lot to say. Brandon, have you seen any of the content created based around Marcus Stroman's baby so far? I have not. I'm not a big Marcus Stroman fan. His his use of Twitter does not make me very happy. But um, Well, Marcus Stroman recently had, Marcus, I believe it. What does the new Chicago Cub Marcus Stroman have to say about his baby? He um, had, I believe it was a baby boy. Yep. Um can't find the name Kai and he's made like quite a few posts he's got he's done a photo shoot um very excited about this young man a potential future major leaguer and I mean look it's content <laughs> what can I tell you it's baseball content created by baseball players while they have literally nothing better to do this man got this man got his money. Honestly, that's why I would want to sign before the collective bargaining agreement ran out. Is because do you really want to be stressing out about not having a contract, a place to play for the next eight months, nine months, two years? Well, especially if you're not like one of the premier guys. Mm, absolutely. Like if you're a Carlos Correa, that type, you know, you you know that you're gonna get a spot. If you're someone else who's kind of on the fence, like a good example, James Paxton, you know, why not sign with the Red Sox there? Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, I highly doubt that more money for Carlos Correa is just gonna come out of appear out of thin air when free agency resumes when they get the collective bargaining agreement back. That money is not just going to appear, reappear. So he's going to get very similar money after this as he would have gotten before this. So why would you want to even have that in your head? Why would you want to have to deal with all of the negotiation stuff, thinking about all of it? It just seems like a lot of stuff that could be avoided, in my opinion. But I digress. Um, Brandon, I know you've been looking forward to this. I can tell you're nervous. For those of you... For those of you, he's confident in himself. Um, for those of you who listened to the last episode, I was originally going to pitch my idea for this episode live on the show, but I could not remember the name I created for it. Even though I'd had, had this idea in my head for like a month straight, I blanked in the moment. And so instead, we decided to turn this into a mystery segment. Brandon doesn't know what we're going to talk about for most of this show until right now so brandon let me introduce you to a new segment a hopefully an an annual segment cock slappers anonymous oh my god brandon i i have picked out 10 8 8 8 players that played in the 2021 mlb season 
who had some of the largest drop-offs in hard hit percentage from 2020 to 2021. We're going to go through, and we're going to try to figure out what went so wrong for them this season. Okay. Now, keep in mind, I'm interested to see how Brandon does with this, because if I correct if I'm wrong, your only hint that you've gotten at this was you don't need to brush up on the NL Central, NL West. Yeah. So let's go ahead and start with our first member of this, Dylan Moore. Okay. Dylan Moore of the Seattle Mariners, he ends up doing this season. He has a 71 OPS plus on the season. This dropped it dropped his OPS plus down to an 89 for his career overall slash slash line ends up 276 on base, uh, 334 slugging. I can't find his batting average for the life of me. Oh, 181 batting average on the season through. Shoot, I'm on the wrong page. Hold on. Forgive me. Through 126 games, he bats 181. More importantly, in this situation, he has a minus 11.4% from 2020 to 2021. His hard hit percentage decreased from 44.7 to 33.3. Brandon, I mean, we could chalk this up to sample size, which I think a lot of them can be chalked up to this year. But these are very uh, extremely underwhelming offensive numbers now in his two full seasons for the Mariners. How worried should we be about this guy as anything to keep around? Well, looking at his baseball savant numbers here, I do see some red chase rate in the 90th percentile so he's not swinging at bad pitches right so that's certainly good his outs above average in the field he's in the 97th percentile his walk rate he's in the 70th percentile so he's hit he's has solid he has solid pieces to his game but yeah you know the expected batting average the strikeout percentage not good and I'm trying to figure out exactly what what it was. LJ, his launch angle went up by three degrees this year. Went from 17.3 to 20.4 from 2020 to 2021. Yeah, that'll do it. I mean, enough said there. Let's move on to our next member here, Colin Moran of the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's a corner infielder for them. In 99 games this year, he slashed 258, 334, 390 for a 97 OPS plus. Brandon, I, I mean, my standpoint here, he played almost double the games this year that he did last year. Last year was by far his best season overall. Um, very strong numbers, particularly slugging percentage was a huge up but yeah I have to I have to imagine this is more about sample size than anything else for Colin Moran yeah you know his launch angle actually goes down uh over the past two years but not a lot of his stats change much from the last two seasons his strikeout percentage actually goes down in 2021 his walk percentage actually goes up he just wasn't making the best contact uh, in all honesty. And 
you know, I don't doubt that this guy can't hit. It's just when you when your hard hit percentage is dropping that much, it kind of shows that that 2020 season was a fluke. And I don't know, we're seeing a lot of players or we can look at it, and that's certainly what we're doing today, but a lot of names that their 2020 was just, quite frankly, a good 60-game stretch, which if we looked at all the good 60-game stretches in the 2021 season, you'd be surprised some of the names you'd see. Right. Moving on, we're going to get into, honestly, these are all, those are the only two less notable names that I threw in this list. The rest of them are all just as shocking to have to see here. Matt Chapman, Brandon, why is he down so bad? LJ, um, if from what I can remember, he strikes out a lot. Is that true? Um, let me tell you, Brandon. Where did he finish this year? He ended up in the third percentile in strikeout percentage this year. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's a lot of it, but it's just – this is a story I think a lot of people stopped following. Um, He's got a good on-base percentage, though. Like, <laughs> he draws – He does. He but draws. either way, I mean, you can't deny that a – 210, 314, 403 for a 100 OPS plus. I know I'm complaining about an average hitter. It's very good, very hard to be average. But this is a this is a MVP vote recipient type guy we're talking about here. This is a guy who has been up at least at 120 through all of his full major league seasons before this. This is this is a drastic drop off here. And then I went ahead and looked over at his 2019 numbers just to see where things were there hard hit percentage he was in the 94th percentile at the time strikeout percentage 45th he went from 45 to third in two years that i think has a lot to do with it if you're not trusting your eyes how can you trust yourself with each swing and you're not going to get those hard hits without trusting yourself with each swing and chapman is a guy who of course he wins the gold gloves this year so is an extremely talented player and could be the cornerstone really of a team and at third base it's just his batting average to drop this much uh you know it's it's very strange to see and of course he's still very good in the field he's proven that he's very good in the field seems like a lot of the guys that are good in the field, they don't just suddenly stop being good in the field. But hitting-wise, they can stop hitting. I mean, we see Jackie Bradley Jr. I think he's the prime prime example. He was never hitting. Well, he has his stretches. Yes, he has his, he has his couple stretches. Honestly, the best justification of that trade I've heard is there's a huge difference between Jackie Bradley Jr., who always finds a way to ball out and be clutch in the playoffs, to Hunter Renfro, who literally forgot how to field a ball in the playoffs. Yeah, but it helped you guys. Dude, the dude just kind of the dude completely wilted once the playoffs came. Let's get into another another all-star here. And that is the free agent man himself, Frederick Freeman. Freddie Freeman ends up coming in 11th on this list with 
a 7.9% decrease in his hard hit percentage. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's still not, was not a terrible number this year, but this isn't what you'd expect from a guy who had a really good season this year and looks like he can continue to have great, great, great seasons after last year. I think this is kind of a product of his 2020 season was better than great. It was a, a tremendous. It was extremely high rate numbers. Very, very impressive. Once again, of course, only a 60 game span. Now we get to the 100 game span and we get or 162 game span, excuse me, and we get back to what we're used to seeing out of Freddie Freeman, a guy who is very consistent, still puts up MVP caliber numbers, almost a 400 on base percentage. And, uh, you know, I think that, well, yes, his, his hard hit percentage did uh, drop by almost 10%. The league average is only 38.7%, and he's sitting at 46.2% on the season. That's still very impressive. Oh, it's still definitely impressive, but this is kind of a disappointment on his year. Either way, look. I'm going to go ahead and say it's not entirely a product of last year. I'm going to say it's a product of a couple months because whether the numbers show it or not, we can all agree the early portion of this season, particularly his May, his May stretch and a lot of his April was not Freddie Freeman. We remember not Freddie Freeman. We know. I, I mean, let's look here. He ended up with a 788 OPS in May. 466 and 46 or not 466 866 and 868 in April and June respectively those aren't exactly the norm the norm for Freddie Freeman my feeling is this instead of him just having a crazy crazy good like way over performing for himself 2020 he had a way underperforming early stretch of the season and then all of a sudden, he turns on the Jets, and that's why he's able to get back to somewhere close to what he was. That's why he was able to get back again into the MVP conversation and be that guy. I genuinely do think that at this point in his career, at 32 years old, Freddie Freeman is better than he was a couple of years ago. I think a tough stretch, which is always random for guys, did not show that. But I think we're, we should expect to see – something in between his 2020 and his 2021 in 2022 or 2023, depending on what we get. Oh, yep. I have to continue this. Next up, we're going to go to a red stock here. Christian Vasquez. Um, he ends up, let me pull up the difference here. He ends up having his hard hit percentage decrease by 8.6%. He is now down to 31.4%. Allow me to pull up the rest of his numbers real quick. But while I'm doing this, I have to also reference this with, this has been such a shockingly bad year that the Red Sox are already being rumored to looking at other options and it's not like they're looking at all-star options they're looking at above average options he slashed 258 308 and 352 for a 75 ops 
plus this season. It's his lowest since 2018. Um, I'm just confused at this point, Brandon. Maybe you can help explain this to me. But I'm, I'm just kind of shocked. It's like whiplash. We went into June, June and July, agreeing that Christian Vasquez was such a great defensive catcher that there is by no means a reason for them to ever look at somebody else. This guy should be playing the brunt of games. And that's how the Red Sox looked at it until well into August was that, okay, Christian Vasquez is our top catcher. He is going to play as many games as humanly possible. We're going to put as many games in those legs as humanly possible this year and next year and the year after that. All of a sudden, they finally take a step back from this, and it almost feels like they're ready to jump ship for something marginally better without even trying anything that's in camp. It just seems a little weird at this point. Yeah, and I pulled up the stats here. Christian Vasquez, in terms of uh, catchers who had at least 250 plate appearances, he ranks 27th in weighted runs created plus with a 77. That's very close to his OPS plus as well. I mean, 27th in offensive ability for for a catchers. And look, I know that a lot of catchers struggle offensively, but I would certainly think that that a Christian Vasquez is not one of the five worst hitting catchers in the league. And that's what he essentially did this year. So, you know, I don't blame the Red Sox for wanting to look at other options, but he's still solid as ever, uh, you know, with, with, with a defense and framing and that such. So he still does bring a positive value. I think he certainly need to keep him on the roster, at least as a backup, uh, if anything, he absolutely brings value. I just, I don't know. I just, I hate to see, I would hate to see them make a trade without even giving proper, a proper try at anybody else. Mm. I'm get, getting my feelings out of the way about the way he brings the locker, the clubhouse together. Kevin Plowecki has had two solid years at the plate back to back. I mean, I believe he was the red, yeah, he was the Red Sox um, batting title winner in 2020. Would that be enough? That very well could be enough to get the offensive production change that they're looking for. I'm just saying it's worth giving him. It would have been more, it would have been more valuable to give him an increased role earlier on to see if that was the solution. And every indication I've heard is that Connor Wong very well could have been the heir apparent to Christian Vasquez behind the plate if they weren't already ready to jump the ship in a couple of years in a year or so, he probably is the guy who's going to step in and try to take that starting catcher role. So you've got stuff there. I just don't, I don't see the reason for them to be in on literally every catcher under the sun. Let's not forget Christian Vasquez did play very well in the series against Tampa Bay. Yes. And he, and he, and he played great in 2019 and 2020, both, both years and above average hitter. So it's just that's that that's more of a reason that I'm so confused at this point. Brandon, what are we looking at for time? LJ, time, time, time. We have about I'd say between five and eight minutes. All right. So do we have time for two more? Yeah. Because you have to see why I was chuckling earlier when you were talking about great great defensive players always being great, even if they're um, great at defense, even if they're 
offensive numbers seem to dwindle. Let's talk about Andrelton Simmons. Ooh. Had a 9.9, almost a 10% decrease in his hard hit percentage from 31.4 to 21.5. Brandon, this guy, I fully believed that he, if he kept his offensive production from a couple of years ago, he could have found himself in a veterans committee type situation years down the road for the hall of fame, but he has, it's like he's slammed on the brakes in terms of his offense in the last two years, in the last several years. I mean, we're now looking at since, since his last above average season of which he's only had three, he has now gone down to a 78 OPS plus back up to a 94 in 30 games for the angels in 2020. And then finishes this year slashing 223, 283, 274 for a 57 OPS plus. This guy is always going to find his way onto the field because of his defensive value. And that's the only reason you can have a 57 OPS plus and still have one and a half war on the year. But what went what went wrong other than sample size this year? You know, Angleton Simmons has never been the greatest hitter. But he's never put up a season like this. This was by far his worst hitting season of his entire career, and he's only 31 years old. You know, I don't know at this point because the hard hit percentage is down. Unless he can kind of reinvent himself and maybe try to become like a slap hitter, kind of like an Adam Frazier type. And, of course, he does have the – tremendous defensive value attached to him this is I, I hate to see it because I, I love watching this guy play he's awesome and watching him play shortstop is is truly amazing I think he's one of the best shortstops at least in the field that I've ever seen and watching him struggle at the plate uh sucks yeah I think you're right the change of approach is it, it's got to be what happens. That's it's the only it's the only way for this guy to survive, because as much as defense is going to get you there, and you're always going to find a way onto the field with that type of defense he's got. You can't be in the one first percentile of hard hit percentage, and also only I'm sorry, first percentile and hard hit percentage, the ninety second percentile in strikeout percentage and yet only and end up with a in the one first percentile of expected weighted on base average like you have to be able to balance things out here a little bit but you're not striking out you're making contact but let's find a way to get some good contact if you're not going to if you're clearly unable to hit the ball hard and he really has never been able to honestly since since 2018 he has it's been a steady decline from there and a sharp drop off you can't tell me that 364 is enough to be able to consider yourself anything other than a contact hitter. And that's been his best season since. LJ, who is our last player? Brandon, I had a couple of guys, else guys, other guys on here, but kind of have to go for this one. Gary Sanchez was not as scary at the plate as we would hope this year. He ends up coming in. I'm not just picking this name out of nowhere. He ends up ninth. I actively went for Freddie Freeman before I went for Gary Sanchez. Can I ask? Seven, 
7.9% decrease this year. What went wrong? Why is he so down bad? Can I ask a question first? Yeah. Uh, who was first on that list? Dylan Moore. Dylan Moore was first. Okay. Yeah, it went Dylan Moore, Colin Moran, Matt Chapman, then Tyler Naquin. I'm not really sure why I skipped him. I just kind of lost. And there's not much to talk about. Attention. Heimer Candelario's all. Heimer Candelario and Jake Cronenworth also make it into the top 10. Wow, Jake Cronenworth, really? And he had a good season, too, a really good season, actually. Yeah, down 8 to 34.7. Jose Iglesias is also 10th, I should add. And he had a good season, too, so at least with the Red Sox. All right. Uh, but Gary, Gary why wasn't Gary scary? LJ, I, I mean, his OPS plus went up 30 points, so he was better. He hit better. Exactly. And then, honestly, this is more of a uh, case study for – I was just giving you a hard time with the Gary Scary thing. This is a case study for Andrelton Simmons, perhaps, because if we're talking about this guy ending up not hitting the ball nearly as hard, yet he's still found ways to produce. He has still found a way to get his on-base percentage up 50 points. That's huge. That is massive. He gets – he gets his batting average up 50 points as well. Like these are the things you have to do to be successful. These are the things you have to do to be able to stay in the show. Gary's finding a way to do them and at least be a decent player at the plate. Could even grow back into a, being an above average to good hitter. Yeah. Uh, look, when, when, when is Andrelton Simmons going to find the switch here? What was the switch, Brandon? Actually, you might be able to tell me. I don't know what the switch was. Uh, it looks like if you look at uh, Gary's like line drive, ground ball, fly ball percentage, 2020, he was at uh, 38% ground balls, 23% fly balls. 2021, he goes down to 36% ground balls and uh, 31% fly balls. So a big increase of hitting the ball in the air. Uh, I mean, look, just hitting the ball on the ground is not going to get you a lot. I, I think we all know Chris Bryant was kind of one. Well, I mean, like we, we cite Chris Bryant as a guy who used launch angle to his advantage, but we've, we've known about it for quite a long time now, or at least quite a few years that launch angle is the next big thing. And I think a Gary Sanchez took that into consideration. He realized that yes, he was hitting the ball hard in 2020, but he was just hitting it into the ground a lot. So now why not, you know, you have such a fast swing and you have great bat to ball skills. Why not lift the ball in the air now and show off your power a little bit? And that's what he was able to do in 2021. I thought he was very, he was solid enough for what the Yankees needed at the plate from him. Obviously a defense, there's still a lot to be asked, but yeah. All right. Well, that was Cox Slappers Anonymous. Brandon, did you have a good time with your mystery segment? I did. It was a lot of fun. LJ, next week, uh, can I give my idea? Now, do you, want, do you want your idea now, or do you want it as a mystery segment? No, I, I, I would, I would rather give it now because then we can okay. talk if we want to do it. Um, should we go over the Hall of Fame ballot? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, next Monday, the get, L- the get LJ triggered ballot is coming. Episode is getting LJ and I will be filling out our ballot. 
the MLB Hall of Fame ballot next Monday. Check us out. But yeah, thank you for listening to this. LJ, anything else to add? No, that'll be it for me. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. And uh, we'll see you next Monday. See you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 